Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. From the heart of the Carolinas, challenging the smug, misinformed arrogance of the left. The trouble with our liberal friends is not that they're ignorant. It's just that they know so much that isn't so. This is the Vince Coakley Radio Program. Welcome. And can I say it? Happy Friday. Good to have you back on the broadcast this morning. I want to begin with some good news. South of the border. One of the things that I will be absolutely unapologetic about... And that is the defense of life. It's the most foundational thing. I think it was on the text line for this program just the other day. Somebody posted, you know, one of the things that is officially done when you die, what is the, the means by which they determine that you're actually dead? They check for your heartbeat. So, would it not make sense, on the other end of the spectrum, confirmation that you are alive and that you are a human being alive, is to check for a heartbeat. Kind of sensible, isn't it? I'm very happy to tell you the South Carolina House has passed a near-total abortion ban For the second time, just as more than a month after the state Supreme Court struck down the state's six-week ban, the state house voted mostly along party lines, 83 to 31, to ban the procedure from the point of conception with exceptions for instances of rape, incest, a fatal fetal anomaly, or the health or life of the pregnant individual being at risk. Now, this comes a week after the state Senate approved legislation to ban abortion after cardiac activity can be detected. Typically, that's about six weeks of pregnancy. The South Carolina Supreme Court ruled in a 3-2 decision last month, the state's previous six-week ban, which went into effect after the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade last June, violated a state constitutional right to privacy. But the author of the ruling and the deciding vote, former Justice Kay Hearn, retired due to age requirements at the end of December. She was the only woman serving on the state Supreme Court and was succeeded by a male justice. This is very intriguing, the way The Hill is reporting on this. Because, as you know, they're characterizing this as a woman's issue. No, this is a human issue. Now the State House and the Senate will need to reconcile the differences between their two bills to pass new legislation to restrict access. The state Supreme Court's ruling allowed abortions to be performed at up to 20 weeks of pregnancy. So now the two bodies have to agree and pass matching legislation. The amended Senate bill, by the way, includes exceptions for rape, incest, fatal fetal anomaly, and protecting the health and life of the pregnant person up to 12 weeks of pregnancy. So the good news is we're moving in the right direction. Something is likely to pass here, and it's likely that something will pass that will receive approval from the Supreme Court. If it should make it back there. But I am gratified to see overwhelming support for life. It's something that is not to be taken for granted at all. Either yesterday or the day before, I talked to you about the federal government and the fact that politicians, bureaucrats, love power, they love titles, they don't necessarily like responsibility. And we're seeing this in action right now 
in one Ohio town, East Palestine. It's really sad to watch this. And the UK Daily Mail does a great job covering this story. You're on your own is the headline. Residents told they're ineligible for FEMA help because their homes weren't destroyed by toxic train derailment. As many ask, where's Pete Buttigieg? And Biden stays silent. Two weeks into the disaster. Where are these people? They're nowhere to be found because they don't care. Ohio Governor Mike DeWine asked for FEMA help, but was turned down. Pete Buttigieg has not visited East Palestine or given any assurances to the town. President Biden is yet to comment on the disaster altogether. You know when this happened? February 3rd. Uh, That's like two weeks, folks. Two weeks. So they're ineligible. Because their homes were not physically destroyed, even though they may be chemically contaminated. Now, residents have been told it's safe to return to their homes. Not surprisingly, many are hesitant, unwilling to accept the assurances of state and federal officials. As a result, they're staying at hotels. that are currently being paid for by Norfolk Southern, the rail company whose train derailed a couple of weeks ago. Now, unlike in hurricanes or tornadoes where homes are physically damaged, if not destroyed, the homes in East Palestine, well, of course they're intact. That coupled with the fact that Norfolk Southern is already paying for accommodation, food, and water means the request can't be granted and money that would be released in other disasters remains tied up, according to people familiar with the situation. Basically, they're flipping the bird to people in this town. FEMA is not offering any funds. The CDC and Department of Health and Human Services have been drafted in. The CDC's team will track whether there are any clusters of illness on the ground that may be related to the derailment, while the HHS team will provide additional health care staff, according to the governor's office. The Ohio National Guard also helping out. But the president, transportation secretary, Nowhere to be found. They had a town hall meeting about this crisis. People asking the question, where is Pete Buttigieg? Where is he? The mayor, exasperated, saying, I don't know, your guess is as good as mine. Not even a comment out of President Biden. Nothing. As you know, the president underwent a physical exam yesterday. We're going to talk more of this story coming up a little bit later on in the broadcast. (laughs) The all-important phrase, the phrase that you do not want to hear from anybody in the federal government is actually used. Yes, we'll talk about it coming up. Closer to home here in the city of Charlotte, well, if you got a ticket for speeding, You may have an invalid ticket. (laughs) And you may be getting a call from the district attorney. We're going to talk about that story. Also, Faith Focus Friday. I'm going to, um, let's just say, I'm going to uh, have some very important words about what's taking place in Asbury, in Kentucky. And those words may surprise you. As we continue our broadcast, stay with us. And we're back on the Vince Coakley radio program. We're going to talk more about this situation going on in East Palestine a little bit later on. It's just amazing the arrogance of government officials. Absolutely, positively embarrassing to watch. Another huge embarrassment unfolding with the Charlotte-Mecklenburg Police Department. We have learned that some of the electric, the electronic speed monitoring devices used by CMPD 
were not actually tested by technicians with proper certifications. This revelation out of the city of Charlotte. Now, they've had these radar certifications going back to 2008 for radar, LIDAR, one of the newer technologies since 2018. But apparently some issues going on here, and I wanted to get some understanding of what's happened here and why. Who else to unravel all of this for us than our resident newsman and good friend Mark Garrison? Good morning. Welcome back to the broadcast, sir. Well, thank you. Good morning, Vince. And I'm sure you have all the answers, right? (laughs) Well, you know, what's interesting about this is uh, it turns out the city has been skirting the law calibrating these radar guns for 15 years. I mean, it's mind-boggling. It really is, and you got to wonder. It's now this has come to light in part because of a whistleblower earlier this year who said, "Hey, um, we're we're breaking the law here," and they fired him. Now they're offering him his job back. But you've got to wonder if over a fifteen-year period, who's looking the other way here? Yeah, this is really uh, th- this is one of the questions. Uh, uh, there are a number of questions to explore here. <laughs> Where's the chain of command here, Mark Garrison? Where does it go from uh, this guy, this whistleblower, recognized something was wrong? Uh, where does the buck stop on this? That is an interesting question because uh, this is the city's radio shop. They work on radios for all the city departments, and uh, one of the things they also do is calibrate these uh uh, these 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 guns, these radar guns. So uh, it is a good question as to whether the buck should stop or at least uh, half a buck should stop on the desk of the police chief. Uh, but it was interesting that when they had this press conference the other day, they trotted out some poor woman who runs PR for the city that I'd never even heard of oh and put her online to make some statements and fall on her sword, and that was about it. Um, so ultimately some of this also has to fall back on the city manager as well. Yeah, no question about that. Give us a sense of the reach of this problem. How far back do we go? And I mean, are we talking about potentially invalidating tickets back to 2008? Well, I mean, certainly a good lawyer might try to make that argument. Uh, the district attorney is, go- is is sort of dancing on this, going, look, don't if you got a ticket recently, don't pay it. Uh, when you have a court date, come to court, and they're going to play, let's make a deal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because, you, you know, they say, well, in some cases, uh, the, the radar just corroborates what the officer observed. And that's true. Look, if you're going down 485 at 110 miles an hour, uh, the, you know, the cop can testify that, yeah, he was flying. But, but, but still, the evidence you need is the radar gun. And so uh, yesterday, for example, people showing up for court, they had all heard about it. We had an interview with one guy that uh, they said, well, you can get a continuance and get a lawyer if you want to try to just have it thrown out. Or we'll let you plead guilty to faulty equipment. What? Which means nothing goes on your record. It's not on your insurance. Pay a little fine and you're done. And he was like, sold. (laughs) don't blame them at all yeah do we have any idea though of the reach in terms of how many people how many tickets could potentially be invalidated by this you know we have asked that question and it's been estimated in the thousands you know part of the problem is say you got a ticket two years ago and your insurance went up because of it yep uh are you you would have to lawyer up and try to get the court to revisit it, try to throw it out, and then, I don't know, would you sue the insurance company to get your money back? These are some questions that we've talked to some lawyers who are like, you know, this is uncharted territory a little bit, but they're kind of licking their chops, I think, anticipating a run on business uh, from some people. But I think probably the more likely scenario is current tickets, maybe going back a year or so, some people may come back and try to get it thrown out uh we'll just have to see how it plays out the sheriff we had him on last night and he was going <laughs> i'm having trouble wrapping my head around this i mean it's it's kind of mind-boggling yes it certainly is now i'm assuming this does not affect the sheriff's department it does since okay oh, so, does. so so this same radio shop oh, uh service the radar guns for uh, charlotte cops the sheriff's department and one or two of the small towns here in the county. 
Oh boy. Yeah. So, uh, in terms of fixing this, as I understand it, they believe they're going to have this completely resolved by March 1st. Is that correct? That's, that's the goal. For now, they've told all the cops, put your guns down, your radar guns. Don't use them because, uh, ultimately what's going to have to happen is they've got to get certified people that they can prove are actually certified to now recalibrate them and check off on that, and then they could start using them again. So that's going to take a while. You know, I I raised a question in, in a piece yesterday as to whether there's a real fraud element here, because we now know from the whistleblower and some others that it wasn't just a case of, oh, we've got uncertified techs. It was a case of supervisors at the shop checking off that these were properly uh, inspected by certified people who knew what they were doing. Well, the inspect the uh, the uh, the supervisors knew they were lying. My goodness, that's a real problem, isn't it? Yeah. So this, the city has said, you know, we're investigating this. I suspect some heads will roll. Yeah. And that was the next question I was going to raise. How far does this reach in terms of responsibility? You mentioned possibly all the way up to the city manager. Um, have you heard, for instance, calls for investigation, uh, city council interested in looking at this at all? What are we hearing? I, I think the council might weigh in on this a little bit. They haven't at this point. And uh, again, though, in, in the brief press conference that the city had the other day, they said they are launching an investigation into this. So I, I take from that that, you know, <laughs> Some, some Somebody will end up getting fired over this, whether that's ultimately the person who should be fired over it. You know, that's always the question in politics, right? <laughs> it certainly <laughs> is the question. Mark Garrison will certainly continue to follow this. All right. Uh, a story that's uh, going to unfold for mm-hmm. quite some time yeah. beyond March 1st, I'm sure. Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks again, sir, yep. for joining us this morning. Sure. What are your thoughts on this, folks? I, how in the world do you miss something like this? I mean, this is so monumental. You think kind of basic. But again, doesn't this go back to what I said earlier about responsibility? You want to be in charge? You got to take responsibility somewhere. Any case, we will get your thoughts as we continue with the broadcast. Also, As I mentioned, we're going to talk about Asbury coming up in the next hour for Faith Focus Friday. You're going to hear some surprising comments from me. Can I just tell you, I have been corrected by an old friend. I'm going to share his post coming up. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. This is the Vince Coakley Radio Program. If you'd like to join the conversation, call Vince on the GS Plumbing Talk Line at 800-928-1110. That's 800-928-1110. Or text the Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line at 71307. Now, back to Vince. And we're back on the broadcast over on that text line. Some catching up to do, beginning here. Events, did I hear you say the pregnant individual? Are you buying into the whole men can have babies ignorance? I really hope I'm wrong. Yes, you are. (laughs) Very, very simple. This texture says, Vince, they should move the Davos conference to East Palestine. If it's so safe, I'm sure they'd love to volunteer and fly in for that. Vince, unfortunately, if these were Democratic voters, Biden, Buttigieg, all of them would be there. It's sad when they take care of illegals coming over the border before they take care of American citizens. And another person adds, but send another $100 billion to Ukraine. Yeah, go figure. Vince Pete said train wrecks happen all the time, so it's not a big deal. Well, of course not. They must have voted Republican or not have enough Democrats to make a difference. You conveniently forgot to mention the railroad companies passing out $1,000 checks to those people. But just like a reporter, 
You don't mention the good news. Come on, man. Oh, yeah. Just a $1,000 check will make it all go away, right? Yes. Vince, everyone should be infuriated by the lack of concern for these people. This poison is traveling, not staying in Palestine. Say what you will. The Trump administration would have already been there, trying to help these people. But not this administration. They're not concerned about us, people in these United States. We are truly on our own. Yeah. On the ticket issue that's going on, this person's saying, Vince, when you get a ticket, the police immediately turns it into your insurance policy. Well, of course. Well, it's not like the police department does that. The insurance company has immediate access to that information. Boy, this this is going to be so messy, isn't it? So messy on so many levels. And I'm very curious if you've gotten a ticket recently, you know, the past few years, are you going to do something about this? You're going to go back and say, hey, wait a minute. (laughs) It uh, raises all kinds of questions. What else do we have here? Sue the radio shop. It's fraud. What about drivers who get a violation in higher insurance rates? Vince, what about the insurance rates that have gone up for people who've been falsely ticketed for speeding? Who's going to reimburse these people for 15 years of higher insurance rates? It's going to be even bigger problems because now if an officer pulled someone over for speeding and if they search for drugs, now you have those cases too. Oh, boy. Come on, Vince. It's 2023. No one's held responsible for anything these days. Our society is falling fast. Vince, bottom line is drive the speed limit. Stop being impatient. Calm down. You'll get there. Drive safe. Remember, you're not the only driver on the road. Okay. What if we still have a representative government? Are they a sample of the nation? Essentially, it means the spiritual state of the nation is sinful. (gasps) Shocking. And this very simple text, I enjoy listening to your show. I am very, very glad to hear that. We were talking about East Palestine and a couple of interesting stories that are going on. What do you do? What's one of the favorite strategies of politicians when something goes wrong? What do you do? Again, you can't take responsibility, so what do you do? Well, one of the things that you do is you blame the previous administration. (laughs) I'm serious, not making this up, folks. Well, we might have done something different if... So the U.S. Secretary of Transportation, Pete Buttigieg, is blaming former President Donald Trump for the train disaster, claiming we're constrained by law in some areas of rail regulation and citing a breaking rule that was withdrawn under the Trump administration. A little fact-checking on this reveals this is false. It is true in 2018 the Department of Transportation withdrew a proposed rule requiring trains carrying certain dangerous chemicals to use electronically controlled pneumatic brakes. This rule would not have applied to the train that derailed on February 3rd. In addressing the train derailment on Tuesday, Buttigieg claimed, We're constrained by law in some areas of rail regulation. This breaking rule was withdrawn by the Trump administration in 2018 because of a law passed by Congress in 2015. Boy, they really had to look for this one. So Buttigieg's assertion is incorrect. This is disturbing on so many levels. But is it surprising? Of course not. And then we have this wonderful line that we hear 
from the EPA chief. Here's the headline from Breitbart. Trust the government. Oh, my goodness. Can you believe somebody would be so dumb to say that? The head of the EPA went to the scene of this derailment, told the community he was from the government and was there to help in the wake of the disaster. Oh, my goodness. He saw a creek that still reeks of carcinogenic chemicals after the derailment and sought to reassure skeptical locals the water is fit for drinking, the air is safe to breathe. (laughs) This is amazing. I'm asking they trust the government. I know that's hard. We know there's a lack of trust. We're testing for everything that was on that train. (laughs) He actually said that. Trust the government. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I'm sure you'll have a field day with this one. Still to come on the broadcast, we do have a very special Faith Focus Friday coming up. Vince Coakley corrected, yes, a friend of mine, a social media post that really, really hit me in the heart. I'll talk about it coming up next hour. Back on the Vince Coakley Radio Program. I thought it would be interesting in light of this message. Oh, my gosh. I got to look away from this text line a moment. Saw the funniest thing. (laughs) I want to take you back to really my favorite president back in the 80s. Ronald Reagan with some very wise words. And... It's helpful for us to understand. Now, as I share this, I know there are people who are going to be saying, well, wait a second here. Did you not say earlier there's something wrong with the fact there's no disaster declaration? You're bothered by the fact that the feds are not helping out? I'm criticizing, essentially, the fact that, again, we have the federal government, which is very much people who are relishing in their titles and their positions, but they're not doing their jobs. That's what I am criticizing. So it's a paradox. On the one hand, the federal government doesn't do what it's supposed to do. And at the same time, it's all up in our business on things that are really none of their business. But I thought it was appropriate to go back to the words of Ronald Reagan. Very short. Here is what Ronald Reagan had to say about big government. The nine most terrifying words in the English language are, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. (laughs) Oh boy. That's a whopper, isn't it? This is what amused me. Trust the government? I would just as soon trust a prostitute not to give me an STD. As far as blaming others, a teacher once told me excuses are like rear ends. Some just smell worse than others. (laughs) No wonder the government is useless. Those good at making excuses are not good at anything else. Yeah, pretty much. That's how this works. Quite unfortunate. Let's talk about what's going on on the 2024 front, shall we? Because it's kind of interesting to see what is taking place as a Republican field is starting to emerge. How about this? I love this quote from Andrew Yang. Very short, straight to the point. Call me crazy, but I think if your president is going to be 82 on Inauguration Day, you should probably have a competitive primary. Wow, Andrew Yang calling for a competitive race on the Democrat side. And then we have one Tim Scott. As NBC News reports, test driving a potential presidential campaign message in a speech. 
Now, Senator Tim Scott did not announce he's running for president at the Charleston County's GOP Black History Banquet Thursday night. But at times, it sounded like he was already a candidate. Scott's one of a handful of Republicans widely believed to be considering a 2024 campaign. And the speech he delivered Thursday seemed to offer a preview of the themes that he might center in his bid. Scott's the first black senator from South Carolina, spoke at length about his personal story of overcoming childhood poverty, his family's perseverance through generations of racism, and his entrance into politics, arguing his experience as evidence the country's progress on racial issues outweighs modern-day racism. It's one of the things I've always loved about Tim Scott, is you're not going to hear victimology out of Tim Scott. It's awesome. Also promoting tenets of his agenda, promoting opportunity zones, conservative police reform, curbing federal spending, and enacting school choice policies. These are really good things. Adding there is a way for us to unify this country around basic principles that lead us forward, but we have to put behind us a lie that this is the worst time in American history. Only if American history started today. This is good stuff. We need to get this audio. I'm sick and tired of people telling me how bad it is. I'm not here to suggest things can't be better. I'm going to work every single day to make sure all Americans play on a level playing field. But today is not 1865. It's not 1923. We've made tremendous progress, and it's time that we as a people celebrate the progress we are making. Wow. Can you imagine delivering this message in a presidential contest? Coming, those words coming from a black man in the face of an opponent, if it's going to be Joe Biden, who is knee-deep in victimology and viewing black people as simply victims the government needs to come along to save. This is a totally different message. And Tim Scott is the man to deliver that. Love to get your thoughts on the possibility of a Tim Scott candidacy for president in 2024. Should he run? Should he not run? Coming up next hour, we'll talk Asbury. They're calling it Revival Underway. And I'm going to share how I was corrected yesterday by a social media post. All of that straight ahead in hour number two. Happy Friday. This is the Vince Coakley Radio Program. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. From the heart of the Carolinas, a breath of fresh air, a voice of reason, this is the Vince Coakley Radio Program. And welcome to hour number two of our broadcast I want to share a little bit of a personal story before I talk about what is taking place in Kentucky, Wilmore, Kentucky. It's kind of interesting. Uh, after living in Kentucky for 10 years, I had several friends I knew there, um, at least one professor at Asbury University. At the time, it was Asbury Seminary, um, Asbury College, I think, at the time. It was actually renamed later. And it's interesting to see what is taking place now. I want to talk about my own experience over my lifetime. I very much have had a deep desire to see genuine spiritual revival and awakening. I read so many things about awakenings that have taken place. One of the most recent was around the turn of the century, as in 1900s. And uh, the Azusa Street Revival, those things really made an impression on me at a young age. 
and there was a desire, a a real burden to see something like this happen in our generation. Now, as an older man, having lived through decades and not really seeing anything like this, and uh, there's a social media post that really jarred something with me yesterday that I thought it was important to share with you because I think one of the challenges for us as we get older is we lose a sense of hope and expectation for change and our skepticism can be um, stifling. Jeremy Pryor is uh, a man I met years ago, probably 15 years ago. He lives in northern Kentucky. Wonderful family. This guy's an entrepreneur. I think I've had him on this program one time. And he posted something that just really, really struck a chord. I'm just going to share this. We've all had to decide what we believe and what is true about every big moment and issue of our day. We are tired. But Gen Z isn't. They're just desperate. They are plagued with fear and grief and confusion. And they just want hope and God to be real and there for them. That's simple. That post is really good. And there's another, a couple of parts to this that I also think are important. So they see it when he shows up. If you are the cynic, it's okay, but watch. You're about to see God move anyway. And this, it's okay if you're cynical. You've been trained to suspect foul play under every possible God thing. That part of you that doubts or has to discern always is tired and has worked hard in a world with a million opinions and events thrown at you all day. And Jeremy comments about this to kind of sum up this perspective. I appreciate this perspective from Jenny Allen, but taking it a step further, I'd ask that you not pass on your cynicism to the next generation. My generation was largely rendered unfruitful, unfruitful by a spirit of cynicism. Discernment is laudable, but when it descends into a jaded skepticism, it quenches all movements of the spirit. I love the open desperation of this new generation. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst, which happens to be probably one of my favorite Bible verses. I think that's Matthew 5, 5. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They shall be filled. And I had to start asking that question of me. Is this where I've arrived? There have been so many false proclamations of revival this and revival that that is so easily to become easy to become jaded i think okay here we go again what i'm willing to do and i've already decided this is i want to be very open to the possibility that a move of god is underway and that it won't just be something that is confined to religious services. That's been my skepticism. But I also want to check out even that. So probably over the next couple of weeks, sometime in there, I will be paying a visit. It's just a short 30-minute uh, or less drive from Lexington where I go once a month anyway to visit family. So I, this is something I want to work on. I want to have an open heart to see what's going on here. 
So I thought I would share that with you just in case that may resonate with you. Maybe you're in the same place. Some social media posts that I think are worth putting out there. My friend Terry says this, Curious and hungry people travel to experience revival and refreshing, like at Asbury and other places. Azusa Street affected many communities after a revived person went back home and started a local fire. Believe it or not, you can catch fire just watching small portions on social media or just thinking about wanting revival at your home. Cry aloud for reviving. I think this, is, this ought to be a cry that's on all of our hearts as Christians. Leland Conway, talk show host. Everyone's talking about the viral revival at Asbury University. I'm not surprised at what is happening there. I'm proud to say that's my alma mater. And this isn't the first time a major outpouring of the Holy Spirit has happened there. My dad experienced it when he was there in the early 70s. I can honestly tell you there's something deeply spiritual about Hughes Auditorium. And I felt the presence of the Spirit in that building many times. What a blessing this is happening again in our lifetimes. Our souls need this spiritual refreshment. And who knows where this will lead if God's people are ready to receive it. Paul Prather, a pastor of Bethesda Church near Mount Sterling, town I've visited a few times and this is an excerpt from an article I'm going to share parts of with you coming up the awakening began with an ordinary regularly scheduled 10 a.m. chapel service on February 8th but people didn't leave they felt what they interpreted as an unusually palpable presence of God and one of the people involved there that we hope to have in this program very soon Describe this, I honestly believe we're approaching the entry of the third great awakening. And I hope what she says is absolutely true. We're going to talk more about this and get your thoughts as well as we continue Faith Focus Friday right here. Stay with us. Of the Vince Coakley radio program. A couple of updates for you. A live news conference going on now on the train crash that happened in Ohio. They are in the process of testing some private wells, dozens of them. Of course, no results yet, but they are assuring the folks there that tests are underway of air and water because there's a great deal of anxiety for understandable reasons. Also, another story that we've been following, we have the arraignment, the arraignment today for those who were involved in what has been clearly described as a crime that occurred. And one of the things that I, you know, I I think is you hear this, this is not a surprise at all, that the five officers that were involved in that brutal assault, fatal assault, on Tyree Nichols, they've all pled not guilty today. All five officers now out on bail. They entered their pleas in Shelby County, where they're formally charged with secondary murder, aggravated assault, aggravated kidnapping, and more. So that process underway with the next appearance, I believe, coming up sometime in May. These are, of course, very slow court processes that will go on for quite some time. Back to Faith Focus Friday and Asbury. You heard my personal comments and my desire to be open to just seeing what God does here. And I mentioned I'll be going to visit sometime in the near future. In the Upstate, great segment, Vince. Thank you. Also this, I'm a third-generation person saved because of the Azusa Street Revival. 
I'm very blessed to have been brought up from somebody who is attached to someone who was actually at the revival. I've seen the fire. That is good. Very good. February 8th. Yes, February 8th. The day it started. Still going on. My girlfriend's two daughters attended there. If you'd like to speak to somebody who was there, I can certainly connect you. Just a sampling of some of the items on the text line. Paul Prather, who writes for the Lexington Herald Leader, it's also a pastor, and he's written some very, very poignant things about what is taking place. And I want just want to share parts of this with you. He wrote a great opinion column in the Lexington Herald Leader. His headline, History Repeats Itself as Another Spontaneous Revival Sweeps Asbury University. You may have heard in news reports, spontaneous religious revival broke out February 8th at an ordinary scheduled chapel service. As I write this nearly a week later, it's still going, 24 hours a day. The faithful and the curious have flooded into Wilmore from around the state and the nation to be part of this experience. And I would add now, from around the world, from what we're hearing, a widely regarded biblical study scholar at Asbury Theological Seminary says it's not winding down. People have been praying for it for years. I was hoping it would happen before I retired. From Craig Keener. At some points, the university's chapel has been so crowded, the seminary's chapel is being used as an overflow site. The two schools are separate institutions. Keener emphasizing he wasn't involved with the revival's outbreak and isn't a leader of the ongoing events. He's attended services at the university multiple days, started with the students. I think they're the most important component. The gathering marked by prayer and worship, mainly with an occasional sermon, too. On February 11th, roughly a thousand people took the Lord's Supper together. But started with an ordinary 10 a.m. chapel service. For some reason, this one did not end. People did not want to leave. They felt what they interpreted as an unusually palpable presence of God. As odd as this might seem, spontaneous revivals in Christianity aren't terribly unusual. February 3rd, 1970, a revival erupted at what was then Asbury College. That one, too, began at a morning chapel service. Lasted 185 hours nonstop, intermittently it lasted for weeks. Ultimately spread across the United States and other countries. And Paul Prather, who wrote this, wrote about these events in the past. Previous revivals struck Asbury in 1905, 1950, and 1958. Asbury is an inter school with roots in the Wesleyan tradition of the Methodist Church. John and Charles Wesley Brothers, 18th century revivalists, is pretty much baked into Asbury's DNA. Also Kentucky's DNA. An important revival in Logan County sparked an even greater Cane Ridge revival in Bourbon County, 1801. It drew upwards of 20,000 people and introduced the massive Second Great Awakening to the South. One historian has called it arguably the most important religious gathering in all of American history. It helped to transform the South from a refuge for violent Brigands into the Bible Belt. But they aren't just a phenomenon of Kentucky or the Bible Belt. Before the Second Great Awakening, there have been the First Great Awakening, swept Britain's American colonies beginning in the early 1700s, partly as the result of religious ferment roiling Europe. And I mentioned earlier in this broadcast the 1906 Azusa Street Revival, Los Angeles, broke out among a ragtag congregation in a rundown neighborhood, and it ran day and night for years. Scholars consider it the birthplace of Pentecostalism, which has grown into the second largest branch of Christianity, next only to the Roman Catholic Church. A lot of history in this that I don't need to go further into, but you get the idea of the potential magnitude here 
and the impact this could actually have. I I want to be somewhat hopeful. I that's what I want to set my heart and my mind to do as I describe to you uh, maybe as early as next week I'm going to go check it out for myself and I'm not going as an investigator I hope to go as a human being hungry for God blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness they shall be filled and that I want to keep in the forefront of my mind and I hope this is encouraging to you as well much more as we continue our Friday broadcast one other item on this but we'll also talk about a couple of other important stories we do not want to leave this Friday without touching on this one on the issue of life this one will blow your mind ladies and gentlemen has nothing to do with abortion I think it will stun many of you as we continue our broadcast. Stay with us. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. This is the Vince Coakley Radio Program. If you'd like to join the conversation, call Vince on the GS Plumbing Talk Line at 800-928-1110. That's 800-928-1110. Or text the Common Sense Retirement Planning text line at 71307. Now back to Vince. Over on that text line... This person responding to what I had to say about cynicism that can take root in our hearts. This texture saying this is similar to people picking on prosperity churches. While it's not what Jesus teaches, it does have people introduced to him. And we can pray that it leads them down the right path. It's a start. Also, thanks for sharing the earlier information on Asbury. It encouraged me. To hear you talk about cynicism, it's a daily battle. I may not understand the way the young folks always think about things. That actually gives me hope. I'm so glad to hear that. Thank you. I want to continue working on this <laughs> in an ongoing way. It's a definite battle. Definite battle. One more item I want to share with you. Before we touch on a couple of things that I want to get to before the broadcast ends, a friend of mine posted this on social media about the Asbury Revival. I want you to listen closely. (laughs) This is really good stuff. The main takeaways from the Asbury Revival. There's a piano player, a guitar player, and a single drum. Hard chairs. Ugly interior. The lights don't dim. No one is serving donuts. Not a single smoke machine. No fancy lights. No timers. No perfect productions. No leader and no teams. No hierarchy or competition. No kids class. Nobody greets you in the parking lot. Literally no structure whatsoever. Apparently the only thing needed to attract people to God is God. Boy, there's a novel idea. (laughs) Why have we made it so complicated? Time to get back to the pure and simple, an altar and a sacrifice. That's Jesus. Let's give him back his house. Just worship him and see what happens. Praise him. He inhabits the praises of his people. And the person who posted this said, by the way, none of these things are bad. The point is, we need him more. Yeah. I'm trying to remember, it may be one of my favorite authors, A.W. Tozer, who said the reason, one of the main reasons we don't have a revival, maybe that was Leonard Ravenhill, is we're so content 
to be without it. Quite profound, I think. I want to touch on a very important issue of life. Here we've been talking about... We've been talking about cultivating a culture of life, and very often this comes up in the context of discussion about abortion. We've also talked about the challenge that we're facing in just on a very basic level, trying to get parents back in control of education and what their kids are learning at school, especially regarding matters of sex and sexual identity and gender and all of these things. Well, I've got a new one for you because I've told you that if you want to see what happens, what will happen in this country, if we don't get a handle on this, just watch Europe and watch Canada just across our border to see some of the trends that are happening there. This one is going to blow your mind. Are you ready for this? Breitbart reporting in Canada. A committee is urging the government to extend assisted suicide to mature minors. Yes, you heard that correctly. A Canadian parliamentary committee has recommended the government expand its assisted suicide policies to allow mature minors to seek medical assistance to end their lives. This committee put out a report with 23 recommendations for the government of the Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, among them a call to allow mature minors to seek medical assistance in dying, known as MAID in Canada, M-A-I-D, medical assistance in dying. Boy, that sounds so innocuous, doesn't it? The report does, however, suggest the children who undergo assisted suicide should only do so if their natural death is reasonably foreseeable. My gosh. Can you believe we're even having a discussion about this? Again, we're talking about minors. Members of the Conservative Party of Canada expressed dissent in the report on the subject of allowing children to seek MAID and stated they could not back all of the recommendations in the report. We're glad to hear that. Other recommendations from the committee include calling on the government to look into the views of minors themselves on the topic of assisted suicide and their personal experiences. Earlier this month, the Trudeau government moved to delay an expansion to May that would have allowed people only suffering from mental illnesses to seek out assisted suicide. Justice Minister David Lametti, who has previously directed, directly compared made to suicide, claimed the year-long delay was needed to ensure that we move forward on this sensitive and complex issue in a prudent and measured way. It will provide time to help provincial and territorial partners in the medical and nursing communities to prepare to deliver made in these circumstances. The safety of Canadians just comes first. <laughs> Isn't this mind-boggling? We're even discussing this. For one, suicide for mature minors. I told you some weeks ago about people with mental health issues, not just people with, with physical problems but people with mental illnesses. So they're just going to delay this for a little bit longer to provide people the opportunity to deliver this service appropriately, if there is such thing. Canada has become one of the leaders in assisted suicide globally in recent years, with as many as 3.3% of all deaths in Canada caused by MAID. In provinces like Quebec and British Columbia, Maine accounted for around 5% of all deaths that year. Oh, by the way, you should know this. Canada is also harvesting the organs of those killed and has become the number one country for harvesting organs from those who have undergone assisted suicide procedures in the world. Oh, I'm sure there's no opportunity for corruption here. <laughs> oh my gosh. 
Rush. We really do need a spiritual awakening, don't we? Oh, my goodness. You've got to hear this text. I'm going to share it with you coming up after the break. This is a good one. Back on the final stretch of the Vince Coakley Radio program on this Friday. Chris expresses it well, hoping the Asbury Revival is genuine. Also, I enjoyed your show this morning. I'm a firm believer in Jesus Christ. would like to see our nation go in revival mode for some time to come and stamp out all evil. All right. Been so glad that I get to hear you live here in WBT and don't have to switch in this segment to 106.3. All righty. Glad to hear that. Staying out of Fort Mill. This is the text that just got all over me. I loved it. Vince, too many of our churches are concerned with amusing people and not amazing them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. My goodness. That is absolutely text of the day out of the upstate. Absolutely awesome text. Isn't that exactly what's needed? People need to be amazed by him, not amused. In fact, one book I read that is just absolutely powerful and prophetic, it's called amusing ourselves to death if you have the opportunity to read it please do it's more a statement about what's going on with our culture not so much religious culture but interestingly enough religious culture has followed right behind the secular culture in this area on the subject of maid we were telling you about maid what that is in case you are not familiar with this medical assistance medical assistance where is the other part of this in dying that's what it's called medical assistance in dying this texture would like to know if we can get some of the maid drugs to carry out the executions of our people on death row here in South Carolina <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Jim, out of Easley, Vincent appears Canada is run by nuts. But then again, look at who they choose to lead the lefty loony bin. Yeah. Made in Canada was cooked up in the devil's own kitchen, Vince. Heaven help us. This will creep across our border. D, you are absolutely right. This is an interesting season, wouldn't you say? Christopher, are you ready for the weekend? I am ready for the weekend, especially after that maid story. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Yeah. Miners. Miners. Well, you know, for people advocating suicide so they can harvest the organs, I would have the Canadians pegged very low on the suspect list. But here we are. It's crazy. Absolutely crazy. We have uh, six items on our look at the day in history. 1801 is the year this guy was elected president. He was number three. He's been in the news a lot because of his connection to one of his slaves. Adams and or Jefferson? Is it Adams or Jefferson? It's Jefferson. Jefferson. Okay. You hit that on the head. 1801 was the year he was elected. 1904, Madame Butterfly premiered in Milan. Boy, that's exciting. 1930, astronomer Clyde William Tombo discovered this planet. This planet is also, it shares the name of a famous cartoon dog. Which one is it? Well, this is a trick question because it's not a planet anymore, according to the very oh, small Pluto. Right. Pluto is correct. And, uh... You know, I kind of, I kind of miss Pluto as a planet. It was a planet the whole time I was I was growing up. So. I know, I remembered that. Remember that era. Nineteen forty-seven, 
Voice of America started broadcasting into Russia. Boy, that was revolutionary for its time. 1960, this civil rights leader arrested at an Alabama bus boycott. Who was this guy? 1960 was the year. I guess it was it was Martin Luther King. Martin Luther King, okay. indeed. And in 1998, this day in 1998, the U.S. Women's Olympic team won their first hockey gold. Pretty exciting stuff. Before we go, a little fun here. A man who prosecutors said broke into a U.K. industrial park to steal almost two hundred thousand chocolate easter eggs he's now pleaded guilty to theft and criminal damage this guy's name is joby Poole, 32 year old guy used a metal grinder to break through a gate in an industrial park in central england then used a stolen semi truck to tow away a trailer loaded with cadbury cream eggs and other chocolate goods worth more than thirty eight thousand dollars you think he knew what he was stealing? Oh, I'm sure he did. He had to know. It, and this is in advance of Easter, right? Why not get ahead and sell this out of a truck or whatever he was planning to do? I was going to say, is there a black market for Cadbury eggs? <laughs> Apparently there is now. It's not just real eggs. Now they want Cadbury eggs, too. <laughs> and it's all this, profit if you steal them. So. Oh, my God goodness this is crazy all right folks that's all the time we have thanks a lot for joining us have yourselves a great weekend and be safe out there god bless you adios this is the vince coakley radio program